wish to greet each one of you in Jesus' name this morning. It's good to be here, even if it's slightly uh, more empty than what it is normally. Do you miss our youth? <clears throat> this morning I'd like to look at, for, uh, for my way of, of uh, meditation, I'd like to look at Proverbs 9. And I've entitled the message, Pillars of Wisdom, or Wisdom Pillars. Depends which way you look at it. I'd like to read Proverbs 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places, highest places of the city. Whosoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come and eat my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live, and go in the way of understanding. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you will bear it alone. And then we switch gears here a bit. And go to uh, verse 13. It's the way of folly. I'd like to go ahead and read that. Won't be spending much time here, but I'd like to read these verses. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing. For she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest of places of the city to call to those who pass by, who goes, who goes straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that our guests are in the depths of hell. I find this interesting that both the foolish and wisdom stand in the high places of the city. And they're both calling, but they both have a very different message, a message of contrast. One is saying... Stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. And the other one is saying, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This, uh, this is an introduction. These verses are an introduction, I believe, to especially verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. Seven is a number of completion. Biblical number of completion pillars are a um, or signify structure. They signify uh, something strong, something capable of bearing weight. And so you combine those two, and I believe that that you have a um, a very strong and, and uh, complete. Um, is signifying something very strong and complete that, that can bear up 
the weight of of uh, of lives of of our existence. Um, and I'd like to look at that some these these pillars. I don't know about you all, but pillars I do find pillars fascinating. I like I like columns. I like to see large columns in front of government buildings. Um, go by the Rustburg Courthouse, you see those large columns. Um, there's some out at uh, Thomas Road. Uh, enjoy looking at those. We're at, recently at another church where we sang, uh, and they had some really nice columns. We've put up a number of columns. Some of the, the tallest ones, I think, were probably 18, 19 feet. Most of them are just shorter. Now, columns vary. You have columns that are made to bear, but also made to look good, to be pleasing to the eye. Uh, you have other columns that are just bearing. Um, for example, you look into a basement, you'll often see these square posts going down through the basement. Well, that's a bearing column. Um, or you could call it a pillar. That points of weight come down on there, they bear down to a foundation in the ground. And if that wasn't in, if those weren't in place, why well, you'd have a collapse of your your structure. I remember one house we built. Uh, it was framed, and after the framers left, I was going through and, and sweeping out everything and just kind of doing a final sweep of the place. And I noticed when I got into the kitchen that also the floor just kind of went down. And so I looked at that and looked again and got a straight edge out took it across, and sure enough, there was like a, an inch and a quarter drop in this floor. And I got really scared then. That's what happens if you're a builder and just build a house and the floor goes down somewhere. You get really scared. So I, uh, I looked at that and I looked at the way it was built up. The framers were really good, but we didn't have, like most uh, plan sets that we get, they don't really have a basement, a foundation set. And um, these framers just went along with, with what? With what was there and up. And I had failed to, to really the structure the found one part, an integral part of the foundation like I should have to give to them. They should have caught it, I should have caught it. But anyways, we had about, we had a roof and, and uh, uh, main floor and, and an upstairs and also a kitchen resting on one two, a single 2 by 12 member that was spanning about 16 feet. And that's not good. Um, so anyway, we had, I had to call the framers back. I'd get special, special uh, engineered materials in. We had to go down there and jack that floor up, put the engineered materials in, and then everything was good. We made the bearing points good to where they're supposed to go to, and all was good. But, you know, it, it cost a little bit because... It was done after the fact. Um, so that's that's not, you know, taking that in a practical sense as a Christian as you or I, that's not the kind of uh, structure we want our lives to be. We don't want um, sags in our life structure. We want pillars that will support. We want to be built on pillars that will support. Now looking at the, the Proverbs, um, verse, uh, chapter 10 starts talking, of the, the, is where the Proverbs actually start. And this seems to be an introduction to those Proverbs. 
It also seems to be layered here. There's, there's other biblical references that go back to this, this verse 1 of chapter 9. We'll look at those as well. In fact, I'd like to, to look at those more deeply. One thing I would like to say about the Proverbs, Proverbs are, are great. <clears throat> I enjoy reading through Proverbs. There's so much truth, so much practical application there. However, there's something much deeper. I remember we were in a hospital in Romania with a, with a young child that had spina bifida. And we're just getting ready for the operation. And one of the nurses there, um, we're talking with him, nice young fellow, very bright, Orthodox Christian. And, but, but one thing that bugged me was every time in, in all of our conversation, was he, he, he had this in tremendous storehouse of Proverbs. And he was spitting these things out like this. I mean, you know, there's hardly any... There's hardly any... Uh, it was like he, you know, he could live by a proverb for every situation. And I, I, I was just left feeling at the end like, you know, this guy has, has not really gone as deep as he should. I mean, there's, he's missing something. Uh, it's great to know Proverbs, but there's... there's a source behind these problems that we've got to learn to know. And uh, not saying that he didn't know them, but know the source. But um, I will, will say that, um, yeah, it seemed like there was not a real, not the kind of depth there that I would have liked. Well, I want to look, I want to look at, at the source and then as we know the source, we can look at the Proverbs, and the Proverbs make a whole lot more sense in our lives, in our larger, the larger world around us as well. Hewn out. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out seven pillars. Pillars require the best of raw material. When you have a lot of points of weight coming to one point, you know, you have what you call weight transfer. It's all coming to one point. You want material that's of the best for that, for that point where that transfer takes place on that pillar. She has hewn out her seven pillars. I, I see this as coming out of the best of wood, the best of stone or iron. I don't know. They had a, I don't know how much they used iron at that point. But it's it's a good material. It's a material that will withstand pressure that can take that weight on down. The craftsman hews out the best of the log or the rock to make the pillar. Again, it's the it's the most critical component of a structure. If that doesn't work, you're going to have problems. You know, if you have one stud go bad in your wall. You'll probably never notice it. Who knows how many studs that are bad in these walls? You never notice them that they're ate out by, you know, a uh, by by. Um, oh, what can I think of the name? Termites. Thank you. Or or you know maybe there was some water damage alongside the chimney there. You you never notice a stud gone bad. But if if this whole building was was setting on one pillar over there and that pillar would go bad, you would notice it right away. Because you'd see the whole building go down. Um, and so that's for that reason, 
it's critical that good material is used in pillars. There's bridges. I don't know if you, you think about it as if you think about bridges that are observed bridges when you go across them. It's something I do. I, I love the engineering of a bridge. Especially enjoy going across those bridges there in Paducah, uh, across the Mississippi River. Old bridges. Uh, they're nothing that beautiful, but I enjoy just looking at that, all that steel and that structure and going down, you know, to these different points of weight, uh, different points of, of, uh, of uh, yeah, bearing. And, and then they could disappear down into the water. And you have to wonder how did they, you know, manage to anchor these things down deep in the river like that, especially when the Mississippi is and the Ohio are flowing really strong. You know, how did they manage to get all that? Take all that bearing and put it down into the into the river. And I'm sure there's different, you know, there's different ways of calculating weights for a bridge. All that all the weight that goes across a bridge is live weight. Whereas most of your your weight on buildings is dead weight. It's dead weight that doesn't move. Uh, we get what we call live weight from snow. But we have Engineers that spend a lot of time calculating and figuring out, you know, how much an inch of snow adds, and calculating our trusses force and so forth. Um, but for a bridge, you know, how do they calculate how to make it strong enough to carry, you know, semis loaded to legal capacity, you know, across the bridge at the same time? There's ways to do it, and and they must get it right because bridges for the most part, hold up. They work. Well, God has designed pillars for us too. Pillars that will stand us in good stead, that will make our lives beautiful. But before we go there, I'd like to look at some mention of pillars in the Old Testament. It seemed like... like um, they stood out in the Old Testament maybe as much as they do today. There's several stories of pillars. One is in, one is particularly interesting is in, in Judges, Judges 16.23. And this is a story of Samson. Um, it's his last successful battle. And you know how it, is, how it was if you've read the story of Samson. He, he played Russian roulette with the Philistines and, and finally lost. He lost his hair. He lost his strength. He lost his freedom. And he lost his eyes. His eyes were plucked out. He was made a servant to these people who, were, who, were, uh, who he had so, so easily beaten before. Single-handedly, he thought probably, but it was really with the help of God. And in uh, verse 25 it says, When their hearts were merry, these people had gathered. When their hearts were merry, they said, Call for Samson, that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the wards of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof, watching while Samson performed. 
Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two metal pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. So Samson, uh, by foolishness, lost his wisdom. But in the end, he, he, also, uh, he also, by pillars of men, um, brought judgment on these Philistines again. Then he had Solomon's temple. He had a very large pillar. Unfortunately, it became dismantled because the children of Israel's foolishness, they're turning, turning away from God. It became dismantled and was taken away by the Chaldeans to Babylon in the time of the exile. And it says in, in 2 Kings 25, uh, verse 17, the height of one pillar was 18 cubits. Take 18 times 3, what have we got there? 36, we've got almost 60 feet. And it says the capital on it um, was of bronze. The height of the capital, so I'm thinking there was a large capital, large, um, what we would call a cap on this thing that was five, fifteen, it was three cubits, and then later on in Jeremiah it says it was five cubits tall, uh, speaking of the same pillar. Um, so we have some, a capital that is almost 15 feet tall, 12 to 15 feet I would imagine. The height of the capital was three cubits. The network was of pomegranates. All around the capital were, were all of bronze. The second pillar was the same with a network. And uh, in Jeremiah, it talks about this, this pillar. There were 96 pomegranates on, all, on the sides. All the pomegranates on all, all around on the network were 100, he says. So it must have been quite a, quite a pillar, uh, a 60-foot let's say a 50-foot pillar with a 15-foot cap or a 12-foot cap. And it also says that it was, the circumference was about uh, 18 cubits, I believe, or 12 cubits, so maybe uh, 36 feet around in circumference. It must have been quite a column that they carried out. The, the bronze was without measure, it says. So these are impressive, impressive uh, pillars that or in the Old Testament, but there's one that impresses me much more. And that's the one that it mentions in Nehemiah 9.19. This is called the pillar of fire. Yet in you, you in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way they should go. Then in Exodus 13, this is the same pillar it was talking about there. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And then in chapter 14, verse 19, 
of Exodus. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all the night. Now that's a much more impressive pillar to me. I like I like pillars, I like columns, I like how they look, the you know, so forth, but this impresses me much more. This is the pillar that you know, I would choose if I were just given the one. The source of all good pillars. I'd like to look, what was this pillar that led the children of Israel, gave them light by night, that guarded them from the Egyptians by night, made it dark for the Egyptians, that uh, went before them, helped them cross the Red Sea, Let's move to Isaiah 11. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Verse 15, righteous, verse 5, Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. There's still a pillar of cloud to lead the Christians on the road. I firmly believe that there's still a pillar of cloud to lead the Christians on the road. We might not see it like the Israelites saw it. We might not see it up there in front. And I'd be curious to know, you know, if you have, you've seen different artist renditions of what this pillar must have looked like. Um, I don't know. I really don't have a good even feel in my mind for what this pillar must have been like. I don't think it was, you know, shaped like Solomon's temple, like that pillar was. Um, I don't think it was only um, you know, 36 feet in diameter, 60 feet or tall or so. Uh, I think it must have been a much more fluid type of pillar. And I'm not sure why they call it a pillar. Why didn't they call it, you know, a, a cloud or a blanket or something like that? It must have had some sort of a bearing look that, that made them call it a pillar. But there's still a pillar to guide the Christian on the road. A pillar of fire to show them the way by night. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But, last, but let him ask in faith without doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Again, looking back into Proverbs, there we have the, the wisdom calling out, and it says it's, uh, she's calling out to the simple. So wisdom doesn't just call out to the bright and the brilliant, but it calls out to the simple. And I'm glad to, to know that, personally. But as at the same time, um, the scoffer or the foolish woman, she calls out to the simple as well. Um, they both call out to the simple. But wisdom is for all of us. Wisdom is there. It's available. Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. 
and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So there is a pillar for us to build on, to put our life structure on. So then looking at the characteristics of what I call wisdom pillars. You have all kinds of different, you have all kinds of materials to make pillars with. You can use, like I said, you can use iron, you can use uh, uh, fiberglass. Most of our columns today now are fiberglass. Um, you can use uh, concrete. There's, there's a lot of different materials to go with. Wood. But wisdom pillars are, are from the source. They're, they're the real thing and they come from God. They're, 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 uh, they're manifest in their good quality. And in their good qualities... James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that, he, that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, so that's not good material, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. So we see there what's the opposite of good, of good material. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But then we see what good, good material is, what it manifests. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, one, then peaceable, two, gentle, three, willing to yield, four, full of mercy and good fruits, five, without partiality, six, and without hypocrisy, seven. Could that be the seven pillars that that, they're ta- that the proverb writer was talking about. I don't know. But it's, it does seem like there's a layer there that's pointing to the New Testament or that James is drawing from, from the Old Testament. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I'd like to look move from from here, James, and look how this how this ties in with the Beatitudes. Again, pure, but the wisdom that is from above is pure. Matthew five eight says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Something God loves is purity. And that's wise. It's good. It's a it's a pillar that we can build our lives on. Um, something anything outside of purity isn't worth building on? Is it worth trusting the structure of our lives to? It won't bear. Peaceable. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Anything outside of being peaceful, having a peaceful attitude, isn't from God. It isn't something that we can build our life structure on. It won't bear. Gentle. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Again, gentleness is a characteristic of God. It's a pillar that we can build on. So something we can, it, it, it's, a, it's a good quality we can look to. Willing to yield. Again here, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Willing to yield. Willing to work with. Willing to give priority to someone else. Full of mercy and good fruits. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Matthew 5, 7. 
Again, Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Full of mercy and good fruits. Pillars of good quality. We'll, we'll show these. We'll show mercy. We'll show good fruits. We'll show blessing. Without partiality. Going back to verse 44. I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those who hate you. You know, if there's ever a time that we'd be tempted to be partial, it would be, you know, in how we treat our friends and how we treat our enemies. Uh, that would just be natural. We wouldn't uh, be as quick to loan a tool or to bless a person who is our enemy, who has it in their interest to, to hurt us or harm us or wish us evil. And yet... It says here, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who, despite, who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. It says here that God's not partial. He puts the rain out there for the good and for the evil, for the just and for the unjust. And I'm not sure if I entirely understand this. There is a verse that would... That would uh, from from Paul, he, where he says, do good unto all men, especially those to the household of faith. I think there is a definitely a um, place for doing extra good to those that are the household of faith. But God wouldn't want us to be partial. He definitely wouldn't want us to treat um, some people really good and some people really bad. Definitely doesn't want us to treat people bad. So another column or another pillar of wisdom without not being partial. Um, you know, whether we like it or not, that's a, a good place that we can build our life structure on. Without hypocrisy. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's hard to, for me to believe that someone that's a hypocrite can really hunger and thirst for righteousness. I believe that when we hunger and we thirst for righteousness, um, hypocrisy has to move out of the way. It has to go. Because hypocrisy is living a double life. It's not really hungering and thirsting for righteousness. It's trying to live a life that looks righteous and also um, do what it wants to do. With hy hypocrisy... First Timothy 3.15 says this, But if I am delayed, Paul speaking, writing to Timothy, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, talking again of pillars, the pillar and ground of truth. The church of Christ, congregation of Christ, is the pillar of truth. There should be a pillar and ground of truth. Truth equaling wisdom. So the church, I believe, we as children of God, called to be saints, should be putting out the light of wisdom. A light that gives a sort of pillar um, a sort of foundation for people to, 
to uh, look to, to, to anchor to, to build on. Uh, I know that at the end of the day, we all have to build on, on Christ and Him only. But Christ calls us to be ministers of His, to be little Christ for Him. The pillar and ground of truth. This is what the congregation of Christ is called to. Embracing wisdom won't always be easy. It's not an easy thing to embrace wisdom. It's much, you know, stolen waters are, are sweet. Uh, bread taken in secret is, is good. Uh, there's the temptation to bypass what is really wise and what is really um, the best. So it's not always easy to embrace wisdom. We will be misunderstood when we embrace true godly wisdom. Other people with different teaching, with different ideals, with different philosophies will not appreciate our beliefs. We'll even be antagonistic to our beliefs. We'll think we've somehow really missed it. Maybe that even sometimes think that maybe there's not quite something not quite right in the upper story. But that's okay. I mean, that's just something we have to understand that in seeking true wisdom, we have to not be too concerned about uh, what other people's assumptions are, what other people's um, criticisms are. It's true, we're called to be salt and light and we're supposed to give a pleasant uh, aroma to the world, but that's not at the expense of... of uh, of uh, compromise. There's at some point, there often comes a, a time when we have to say, but this is where we stand. And other people will have to make their own decision about us based on that. You know, I believe that at some point or other, all of us will be tempted to deny the true pillar of wisdom, Christ, for sweet waters or stolen waters, stolen bread, you know, in some way or other, will be called will be called to deny the name of Christ by by those who who uh, don't care for wisdom. But there is true reward for the person or the people who embrace wisdom that's from above. It has true reward. And it, it, it has lasting benefit. Now in closing, I'm going to go back to Proverbs. And I'm going to read a few Proverbs. Just in closing. So I'll do this quickly. Proverbs 10, most of these out of Proverbs 10 and 11. A few excellent nuggets. Or a few excellent pieces of material to chink our pillars of wisdom with for the for the coming week. So Proverbs 10, 4 and 5. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Proverbs 10, 6. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Verse 7. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot was brought to our attention in a Sunday school class here recently. I think it was in the chapel, at the chapel. 
uh, the teacher mentioned, you know, if you look back at at the life of, of uh, Daniel and 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 uh, who he was and what he did, he wasn't, you know, in the in in terms of politics, he wasn't uh, the one that was president. He wasn't the one with the big name. He wasn't the one who could call the shots. Who could make the people gather to worship the golden idol, or you know, make taxes and revenue come in. It was Darius and it was another king that were able to do that. Um, but whose name do you remember when you look in the Old Testament and you look back? Uh, you don't remember those kings. You remember Daniel. He was a godly man. He was a man of principle. He was a man um, that's still looked at highly today um, by many, many people. And rightfully so. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. Verse uh, 10, verse 9. He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. 16. The labor of the righteous leads to life, the wages of the wicked to sin. Verse 17, he who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. Verse 25, when the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. Verse 26, as vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who send him. Verse 29, the way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but, the, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. And then chapter 11, verse 1, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When pride comes, then comes shame, but with humble, but with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Verse 14, where there is, 11, verse 14, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Verse 17, The merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. And 19, a righteous, as righteousness leads to life, so, is, so he who pursue, pursues evil pursues to his own death. Verse 22, as, as a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. And I think I could put it in there, is a, love, is a handsome man who lacks discretion. Verse 24, there's one who scatters, yet increases more, and there's one who withholds more than is right, but, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. In verse 31, if the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner. And then again, one last verse from our text. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. To fear the Lord is to is foundational to all wisdom pillars. To fear the Lord is foundational to all wisdom pillars. And to know the Holy One is to establish life structure of quality and lasting beauty. This I believe. God, God help us live lives that are built on pillars of wisdom and knowledge. God bless you.